great insight. Technology feeds you actionable insights on prospects, pain points, and needs at scale by integrating with your outbound strategy and your tech stack. Go to gr8insight.com and sign up for free today. I'm Nadir Mansur, host of the SDR Conversion Excellence. And we will have our guest today, Josh Roth, seasoned sales development veteran and champion. For everybody joining in to this podcast, today we have the man who needs no introduction, Josh Roth uh, in the house, Senior Business Development Manager uh, for the Enterprise and Strategic Accounts at WalkMe and a seasoned sales development veteran. Uh, welcome on the podcast, Josh. Thank you for joining us. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. I'm, I'm beyond excited to be here. Awesome. So, Josh, I mean, you and I have been talking for quite some time now, and one thing I really sort of admired from from my side, at least, was the passion that you give for the career progression, the career uh, sort of mapping, and uh, let's say upward mobility within an organization for a sales development rep. And what piqued my curiosity is, it seems like this is not your first rodeo at WalkMe, so it seems like this is something that you've had to go through across your experience throughout the years. And the first question that I got was, how, how did you actually figure out the way to build up that infrastructure that allowed for you and the management team to ensure that these SDRs do have a career progression, do have that upward mobility within that organization that they join and ultimately sort of thrive within that uh, company? Uh, I was curious to ask that because I, I think it's a, uh, incredibly valuable for, for many organizations today looking to retain um, their, their, their employees, especially SDRs that are performing. Yeah, I, I really appreciate the question. And, you know, I think, unfortunately, this is not a question asked enough in, in organizations, you know, unfortunately throughout sales. Um, so, you know, I think really like where it starts for me is on the foundation of, of the team culture that you're building and that you're executing on. Um, so, you know, for me, there's, there's three buckets that, um, that a team culture is, is, really, um, is really kind of predicated on. One is the personal and professional growth, right? And we, we kind of discussed that. One side of, of personal and professional growth is, is the personal side, right? You need to, you know, understand where your soft skills are, where you can improve, um, and where you can get better on a day-to-day -day basis. And one is the professional side, so understanding how to really massage and, and um, blend those personal skills with, with professional development, how you can bring all of that personal growth into the workplace. Um, number two is the metrics that you hit. Um, it's pretty clear, it's kind of right in the title, but ensuring that, that you hit the numbers, right? You know, this is, it, we're in a, a performance-driven culture, um, and most organizations, especially in sales, are gonna be very metrics-driven. You know, did you hit your, your monthly number? Did you hit your quarterly number? Did you hit your yearly number, right? Like, these are all things that we have our, our heads on constantly. Um, so the second is really just that, right? Like the metrics that we hit. Um, and the third for me is the relationships that we build. So the relationships internally with our peers, internally with our colleagues at work, and externally with prospects and with our network. Um, and I think that it's really important that we, we really not discount the relationships that we're building because, you know, that's really what's going to lead into, um, you know, future opportunities, future um, colleagues, future peers, future clients, future account managers. Like that's, that's where the process really starts. Um, and, you know, I think you see it all the time, not, not to segue on, not to segue on you, but like, on LinkedIn, like you see people just, you know, sending requests like, hey, like I'd like you to add you to my personal network. And the question I always want to understand, whether it's with, you know, an SDR, a BDR, an AE, or with just a new LinkedIn connection is I want to understand the why. Like, why do you want to go be an AE? Why do you want to go be an AM? Why do you want to be an SDR or a BDR? Um, because I think that that's really important in, in understanding um, what kind of how to build that culture um, and what to look for when building the culture is, it, to me, is of the utmost importance. 
So when you're looking to, to help people grow and help people get to the next step, the first thing that I would ask is like, what, what's your culture based on? Um, what are you looking for when you're bringing people on your team? And then once you're on your team, on, on your team, how are you able to grow them? Like, what are you looking for in them to help them grow? Um, how are you helping them get there? And I think that that's really important to understand, again, like seeking to understand rather than just being the end all be all, if, if that makes any sense. Yeah, no, absolutely. And uh, kind of appreciate how you structured that into three sort of layers, right? Um, and uh, that, that's quite interesting. And you picked up on something that I really, really sort of understand as a as, a, as an SDR at heart and having done that for, for over three years is the notion of adopting that sort of soft skills on one hand and the professional aspect on the other hand. I was curious to know, like, uh, you have this culture around, you know, email-based outreach or cold calling-based outreach. So you have these different outbound sort of uh, channel strategies, if you want to call it that, or omni-channel where there is a hybrid of many strategies and many outbound sort of um, methods being applied. But, and this is where my experience comes into play when I make this, um, this assessment is I was raised on cold calling. I was raised in an environment of a, like boiler room kind of environment where you pick up the phone, you really learn the word no and how to adapt to that word no, only to then refine your pitch around the objection handling and ultimately then understanding the value that you can bring to a prospect, either through a spin uh, methodology or a challenger sale methodology. And with that, along with the time that you spend doing those phone calls, you start to develop that soft skills, right? So I was curious to know, like, I, I noticed that a lot of startups are still relying on emails and LinkedIn, which is heavily built on uh, writing down uh, sort of messaging and having the ball on the customer's court or the prospect's court. Whilst on, on the other side with the, with the cold call, I say it's more of a, um, giving that illusion of control and you can still instantaneously drive value, drive that relationship and book a quality meeting. How have you calibrated your outreach strategy and how have you helped the SDR develop those soft skills um, across your tenure within the role? I think those would be quite of a, an interesting sort of um, uh, insight uh, for many of the listeners. So, you know, I think, I think it's, it's, um, it's always a, a moving target, right? Like I think that saying, you know, you have a, a X, an X kind of culture or a Y culture is, is always um, like, it should never stay the same, right? You know, if, if you would ask someone in, you know, January of, of this year, right, they may have said, oh, you know, we, we have an email heavy culture, you know, we're, we're high velocity, 90% open rate, 50% response rate, but COVID hits, right? And everyone's got, you know, everyone's working from home everyone's getting emails, it's getting harder and harder to stand out over email. So naturally, you're going to want to migrate towards away from email, right? You may want to go to LinkedIn, you may want to go to video prospecting, you may want to go to the phone. And I think that, you know, everyone is now going to LinkedIn, right? It's free, it's easy to get in touch with people, it's less scary than a cold call, you're not putting yourself out there like you, you do on video prospecting. So you know, I think that naturally people are going to gravitate to kind of like the lowest common denominator, which is LinkedIn. And I think, you know, you see on, on a lot of the posts that I make, um, you know, how challenging that is. Like, you know, I get, I get outreach on LinkedIn, you know, every single day, multiple times a day. And I don't respond to any of it because it's all spray and pray. You know, it's, it's, it's all stuff that, that um, it's just the connecting pitch. And it's just, it's, it's not good for sales. It's not good for the function. So, you know, what we encourage the team to do is, is go where people are not right. You know, right now people are not making cold calls. Like I got my phone over there and I don't know that I've received a cold call in three to four weeks. Um, and I believe if, if I have my numbers right, and I don't have the study that, that I'm, I'm doing kind of in front of me. I think I've only received about three to five voicemails from people who are cold calling me over the last like four to five months right? Like you go to LinkedIn, 
you are gonna a hundred percent get one of those auto generated no thank you responses for me because I know that it's it's a connected pitch. You come over the phone, I'll call you back. You know, I may not do it in a day, I may not do it in a couple of days, but if you stay persistent with me, you will get a hold of me over the phone. And that's what we've really been encouraging the team to do is is you know go where people are not. People are not doing cold calling and then following it up with a LinkedIn message. People are not doing video prospecting. People are not leaving voicemails. So if that's where you can get people's attention, go to that spot. Everyone is emailing. Everyone is, is using LinkedIn. Go to the channels where, pe where people are not. So, you know, what I've encouraged the, the team to do on a daily basis is A, cold call, but B, hit people in a number of different ways, like be omni-channel, right? Use LinkedIn, use video prospecting, use cold calling, use, you know, direct mail, send a gift card if you want, right? Like, do what other people are not doing because that's how you're going to stand out. And that, that's really a sort of a, a very thoughtful way of putting it. And I, I was actually curious to ask you because you, you, you said, you, you said something that I, I completely happen to agree with, which is, you know, go where people aren't going because that's where most likely you'll have the chance to, you know, um, not have um, the mass dictate the perception or the assumption of the prospect uh, and what he thinks once you reach out to him, right? Because if you have a lot of people sending messages that are automated, it doesn't matter how personalized that message is, you just fall into that bucket of here is another message from another prospect, which uh, another sort of uh, SDR, which most likely is pitching the same thing or the same way that these others are. So it's almost like um, painting with the same brush every single uh, sort of SDR that reaches out and that kind of devalues the, 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 the channel of um, outreach in this case, LinkedIn, and ultimately sort of it, it makes it, it makes it less effective, right? In terms of outcome. Uh, I was curious actually to ask you, you know, you, you speak of the different channels that you could apply, but you also talked about personalization there for a second. I was curious to know, like, how, how are you currently educating your SDRs around how to leverage uh, insights uh, in, a, in a business acumen driven fashion, right? How, how do you um, help say the SDRs that are pitching a quality customer experience product tie in business or corporate strategy into their pitch in a way that comes across as somebody that actually has done their homework and is there for uh, outreaching with, with a value-based mindset and approach, right? So how, how, did, how did you put that in place or how are you currently looking into putting that in place? Because that's another thing that is really hard to do, right? It's like educating around business acumen. Yeah, you know, it's, it's tough, right? Like I think that, that a lot of it depends on your segment, right? If, if you're going after, you know, a, a smaller to mid-sized business, right? There's going to be a lot less out there for you to go after in terms of, of news about the company, you know, areas to find alignment. So, you know, I always like to, to look at, at kind of like three different areas. Again, I kind of like to bucket in threes. Mm -hmm. um, one is kind of like what's publicly available to everyone, which is going to be like the company's website, the company's blogs, um, you know, understanding like, like using the company's Twitter accounts, LinkedIn accounts, like, using what's publicly available uh, no matter who the company is and no matter the size. Um, the second is a little bit more granularity. So that's kind of your like glass doors or your rep views. Um, maybe there's, there's, you know, enough people at the company that post on LinkedIn that you can pull something from that. Maybe there's like press releases from the company. If it's a little bit larger and they're putting out press releases, um, maybe you can pull something from that. And then the third is even more granularity, which is typically going to be, you know, reserved for kind of your larger, like enterprise and strategic, maybe some mid markets, depending on where your segment lines are, um, which is going to be like your 10 K's and 10 Q's. You know, this is going to be where you want to go through and do a, a control find for your keywords. Right. So, so like I think about, um, you know, when I was at CarePoint, like, we would always sell to typically like HR leaders, um, benefits managers. And typically what we were selling was, you know, our platform of engagement, you know, behavior changing, ensuring that employees are healthier. 
And so we're looking for like typically like keywords, like we're looking for Glassdoor and we'll type in like health, we'll type in wellness, we'll type benefits. And what we're looking for on Glassdoor from our prospects is to understand like, what are the employees saying? Like, are they saying that their benefits aren't good? Are they saying that there aren't enough employee centric events? Like, what are they saying about that, that we can potentially use in our outreach? For larger organizations like your, your 10Ks and 10Qs, your public companies, typically you're going to be looking for very specific keywords to understand the strategic roadmap behind where that company is going on that specific, um, uh, I guess, kind of like vertical, right? So for example, like uh, if a company had said something about uh, investing in, in human capital, right? When I was at CarePoint, that might be something that I'm, that I would want to go after. Um, but more than likely I wouldn't spend a whole bunch of time on a 10 K or 10 Q if I'm in the health and wellness space, that's something that I'm looking more at Glassdoor. Whereas if you're like working at Salesforce or you're working at Microsoft, if you're something, if you're selling something that typically you can continue to sell into, there's multiple products, then I would look more at the 10 K or 10 Q it really depends. I think a lot of times on the context of like how niche your product might be, how niche your market is. And at the end of the day, like what your TAM is, because if your TAM is, is very niche and small, I don't really know that a 10 K is going to help you very much because that may not address your needs. Whereas if your TAM is very large, you can sell a number of different products. The 10 K or 10 Q may discuss that if it's a large enough strategy that the company is going to put pen to paper to ensure that their stakeholders and investors know what their strategy on that specific viewpoint is. Uh, I, I agree hundred percent. I think the, the, the one thing that I would say is clear in, in what you said as well is that primary source data uh, sort of outranks any third party data, right? It's a, it's a, almost like a Warren Buffett kind of approach where if you get the, 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 the data source directly from the source, as opposed to a third party, it is something that really tremendously has a higher impact, right? And that's that's something that I think um, uh, moving forward will will be quite interesting to see how many of these SDRs will be able to sort of apply that soft skills and that business acumen to leverage this kind of insights to then be able to book those quality meetings because it's all ultimately about the, the conversion rates, right? It's all about hitting your quota making sure that you contribute to the pipe for the business and making sure that you have some revenue tacked to your role and to your sort of efforts. Right. And this leads me to this interesting sort of conversation that I see happening right now, which is the question around um, how can we get sales development to have a seat at the table? Right. Because, you know, um, a lot of different um, based on the vertical you operate under, so I used to work in the HR space and the education technology, and there used to be this question about how can learning and development have a seat at the table? So I was curious to know in your sort of viewpoint based on your experience and what you know, what, what do you think and how do you think we as sales development sort of uh, champions and, and as yourself, executives and, and veterans, help get the sales development team to have a seat at the table, right? To be more impactful uh, than just booking meetings, right? To sit at the, at the center where most of the decisions are being taken around sort of the, the, the sales and, and, and that funnel. Um, I was curious to have your, your thoughts on that. Yeah, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a good question. Um, and I think more often than not, at least now, I think forward-thinking companies are kind of recognizing that and they're understanding the, the priority of creating a big pipeline. Um, and I think that you start to see that with, you know, sales development and marketing working closer together. Um, you're starting to see more splits between inbound and outbound. So I think that, that organizations are starting to understand the priority that, that sales development, it, you know, needs to have. Um, because at a certain point, like you need a big pipe to be able to continually have deals coming through. Um, and, you know, I think that as, salespeople as a sales function, I think as sales development leaders, continuing to champion not only our own employees through progression, but also showing that um, these deals are closing, right? Because at the end of the day, like these deals aren't turning into revenue. Like I don't think sales development should have a seat at the table if, the, if these deals aren't turning into revenue, right? But if these are 
turning into revenue, right? Which more often than not, if, if the organization is well run, these deals are becoming revenue. Um, then sales development needs a seat, a seat at the table because at the end of the day, these are the people with, with boots on the ground, right? Like these are, these are your scouts. These are, are your eyes. So while you're looking at like the right now, while you're looking at, you know, two months, three months down the road, what deals are in the pipe, what deals are progressing through the pipe? What's my forecast? What do I think I'm going to close this month, this quarter, this year? Sales development is looking six months down the road, 12 months down the road, right? And we're the ones seeing, okay, is there a market here? You know, are we growing at what speed are we growing? And if you're, SDR team is continually not hitting their numbers every single month, then to the business, that's more than just, hmm, do we not have a good SDR team? To the business, that might mean, okay, are we still going after the right ICP? Do we need to go up market or down market? Do we need to potentially include, you know, different verticals that we're targeting? Do we need to go into Emma? Like we, like there's all sorts of very strategic questions that sales development can help you answer before you make a big business expense into it. Right. So to me, like before you go make a, a you know, four more account executive hires, you would want to look very deeply at what sales development is doing and the pipeline they're creating to understand, okay, now I have a good sense for what may come through in nine months, 12 months, 15 months. And we have an understanding as to what those opportunities are and when those opportunities are projected to close. And now we have an understanding as to what investments we can make into the business and where we should hold off. And I think that, that in order to be able to give the organization that visibility, sales development has to have a seat at the table. No, I, I agree a hundred percent. I mean, the, the, the idea now that um, you could just launch a product and then figure out the ICP and not track how the performance is happening and how the impact around that performance ties into the conversion rates. Because ultimately what you see right now is you have thousands and thousands of emails being sent out, spray and pray kind of model. And then you look at the conversion rate and it's like 1%, 2%, right? And ultimately that's just the top line. That's just, you know, activities to meetings book, let alone try to figure out what's the conversion rate once you go bottom line, which is, you know, opportunities created to deal sourced and so on and so forth. And ultimately what happens is if you don't have that strategic alignment between marketing and the internal functions within the sales uh, department, so you have that alignment between sales, uh, sales development and AEs, and the alignment between the sales function and customer success and customer success as well as marketing. So if you don't have that alignment and entanglement and that communication that allows for that flow of information that helps collectively the business identify and put more investment into that clear vertical or the ideal ICP in this case, that will help create that predictable forecasting, right? Because that's the biggest challenge right now is I feel like, as much as the predictable revenue has contributed a lot once it was released, just like everything else, especially with technology today, after a certain point, you need to be agile because a lot of the things just become irrelevant. I'm not saying that the predictable revenue is that, is that case, but the fact is, is that you need to be able to evolve. And the problem is I don't think, at least to my perception, talking to some people, that even with predictable revenue, you have these many businesses that were able to actually have that predictable forecasting that lasted more than six months to a year, right? So it's like, how do I make sure I build up an engine, a baseline, an infrastructure that allows for a greater alignment within the given departments where sales development can play a major role into all of that because they're the troops in the front line, right? They're the first... Uh, they're the people that represent the, the company once they reach out to these prospects. And ultimately what happens is if you have that entanglement that is well-built, you can then leverage the insights collectively to then be able to make those informed decision-making advantage of these are the ideal customer profiles. This is how many meetings these SDRs are able to book. This is the conversion rates from a top line and a bottom line perspective. And ultimately you can then be able to forecast that revenue in a predictive fashion for more than say a year because you have that infrastructure. And so that, that I, I agree a hundred percent with 
when it comes to what you said. And I, I was actually curious to understand from your experience, how have you dealt with the handoff, right? So you talk about uh, an SDR doing his work, like you said, you know, cold calling a prospect, doing his research, pitching with great acumen and soft skills and landing a great quali quality meeting. How do you then ensure that that handoff, that sort of experience from the buyer's journey's perspective is seamless and not fragmented, right? Where you then have the AE who might not read the, the notes or might come back asking the same standard questions that an SDR would do. How do you, how do you mitigate against that? And how, how have you uh, sort of helped ensure that the handoff is as seamless as possible? Yeah, you know, I think there's, there's a, a couple of different ways. One is you need to have a focus on, on a much more consultative approach and a value selling approach, right? I think a lot of this is really just boiling down to like the intellectual curiosity of the salesperson, right? Like, are you just interested in getting a deal and, and just like, like asking your kind of standard, like, you know, baked questions? Or are you genuinely curious about their business? Like, hey, like, tell me a little bit about like how everything is going on. Like, you know, I know you can see my, my window right now. Like, like, how is that affecting your, your day to day? You know, I mean, how, how has, you know, the last six months of, of new normal shaped your, your own business? Like, how has, how have you pivoted? Right. And I think that having that intellectual curiosity helps you understand and, and allows you to be much more consultative. Oh, wow. Consultative, excuse me. Um, than just asking your kind of like pre-baked questions. Um, and I think that's really a big part of it is if both the SDR, BDR, and the AE are legitimately interested in the person's business, it should make for a, a really good um, uh, experience for the customer because they feel heard. They feel like you are legitimately there to help them. And if you can't, you'll be upfront. But if you're just looking for qualified opportunities, if you're just looking to, you know, close a couple of deals because it's end of the quarter, like you're naturally not going to be as consultative and it's going to lead to a, a much more challenging and a little bit kind of like tougher um, experience for the customer. No, no, that's, that's really, I mean, that's really interesting. And I just from personal experience, I happen to agree hundred percent. What I was also curious about is if you look at, say, the, the SDR or the BDR booking that quality meeting, how do you then make sure that, say, because there is this culture, um, and I've spoken to a number of VPs of sales with a lot of years of experience, just, such as yourself, really. And what they've told me is that there is always that difficulty in terms of handoff, right? There is that, that, that misconception or that assumption that any notes from an SDR uh, are, aren't either as of high quality or are to some extent just ignored or not uh, overlooked or not considered as much. And ultimately what you have then is a, is a lack of call planning or account planning from a, a, an AE standpoint. And you, on the other hand, have an, a, a BDR or an SDR doing that initial sort of uh, account planning and finding out those valuable nuggets and information how do you how have you made sure that that information that has been passed on by the bdr or the sdr has been maximized by the ae what what, what sort of uh, approach uh did you see yourself um taking on or utilizing to make sure that the ae does leverage that information and not show up let's say uh, rather unprepared or asking the, the the same questions that the SDR has asked beforehand. You know, I think I think there's a couple of things, right? Like one is that the SDR or BDR should always be providing, you know, really detailed notes and and kind of like a story as to how they got the intro call, right? Like if you're just sending a person's LinkedIn profile, as an SDR or BDR, your job is not complete, right? Like you need to understand and you need to show the work and the messaging used to that that really allowed you to get the meeting in the first place right like you know provide a little bit of a background story right like as, as we always say like how do you win in sales you win with stories right that's how you win in 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 this kind of handoff as well right give the aes a story it's a it's a lot different to just you know if nadir i i you know 
booked, booked you on an intro call and just sent over your, your profile to saying, Hey, you know, I booked a call with, with Nadir. He is the CEO of, of great insight. You know, great insight is a platform that helps SDRs think, aggregate information and helps them understand the messaging and what's going on in target accounts, right? It's very, very different. You know, great insight layers on top of outreach. Like there's all this awesome stuff that I can say about your platform that I should be saying in the notes. And if I'm not saying that, then as the SDR BDR, I am not doing my job. My job is not complete. Right. And if I were the AE, I'd be calling the SDR and BDR on that. Hey, like, it looks like your notes are kind of incomplete here. Like I don't have an understanding as to what use case they're coming in with. I don't have an understanding as to this. It's okay for the SDR BDR to say, look, I don't know the use case. You know, this seemed like a good prospect. So I booked the meeting and here's why, right? You booked the meeting. So defend it, have confidence in, in the prospect, have confidence in your work. I booked this because they are the, the vice president of XYZ, right? They're the, the vice president of revenue operations. And we are, are, you know, selling a revenue operations platform, right? Like have confidence in, in why you've booked that meeting so that you can then take that and say, okay, I've done this. Here's what I did. Even if you don't have all of the information, that's okay. Be confident and, and, and be able to convey that, right? Don't just sit and, and, and say, oh, you know, here's the person's LinkedIn profile, right? That doesn't really help anyone. Then you're just passing your work off to the AE and you shouldn't be doing that. The AE is not responsible for doing their own digging your notes in the intro call should give them all they need. You can certainly provide accompanying links. I would expect you to provide the person's LinkedIn profile, but I'm also expecting as, as a sales development leader that you're going to do your job and you're going to add a, a really good amount of notes so that the AE doesn't necessarily have to click into the profile that they can, if they want to be even more prepared. No, that's amazing because it taps in into what you said, which is around the thinking process, right? Having an SDR that actually, as opposed to being just effective using automation and technology to do productive sort of work, it's also about how do you get that SDR to then spend that uh, 30% of his time or 40% of his time whilst he's doing his outreach, actually thinking, right? Thinking about the, the, the business, how they can potentially help the business that they're working uh, for and the prospects that they are uh, outreaching and building those relationships with, right? So it's ultimately, how do you create a thinking SDR that um, I would say in my honest opinion, boosts the, 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 the conversions as a whole, but also creates that seamless buyer's journey experience where once you outreach the first impressions last, right? So if you create a great first impression and you pass on that sort of information as a thinking SDR into the AE that then goes more granular and gets prepared, you either go through call planning or account planning and ensures that you have that seamless flow in terms of experience that has a, a high impact, right? In terms of how do you then ensure that you can create a repeatable process? Because I think you, you've raised a lot of interesting points. And one of them is if you're able to build the infrastructure around the culture, the skill set, the progression, the ability to understand value-based sales, the ability to apply and execute on value-based sale, and to be a thinking SDR, you essentially create a repeatable process that will make it easier for then businesses to predict uh, um, sort of forecasting and revenue and ultimately help create a solid base and ground within the, the seat at the table for the sales development. So I, Josh, I really, really thank you for your time, for, for your wisdom and sharing all of this knowledge and exper expertise. I uh, really appreciate it. I know the, the listeners will do too. So thank you very much again. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. This was a blast. Thank you. Great insight. Technology feeds actionable insights on prospects, pain points, and needs at scale by integrating with your outbound strategy and your tech stack. Go to gr8insight.com dot com and sign up for free today.